Welcome to the Heart Soul Wisdom Podcast, a journey of self-discovery and transformation. Moira Sutton and her amazing guests share real-life stories, tools, and strategies to inspire and empower you to create and live your best life. Come along on the journey and finally blast through any fears, obstacles, and challenges that have held you back in the past so you can live your life with the joy, passion, and happiness that you desire. Now, here's your host, Create the Life You Love Empowerment Life Coach, Moira Sutton. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 62, Tapping into Your Creative and Divine Self with our very special guest, international retreat leader, author, and women's coach, Emily Perrara. Emily is an international retreat leader, as I just said, a yoga teacher, and a women's coach. She traded her perfect lifestyle in LA for one in the middle of the jungles, or the jungle of Costa Rica. Wow. Through her exotic journey, she found the true light within herself and the true meaning of love. It took Emily periods of despair, utter confusion, and soul-searching to now reach over 5 million people worldwide to help them reinvent their own love lives. Emily has become a symbol of hope, love, and discovery for women all over the world. She lives in Santa Teresa, a seaside village along Costa Rica's Pacific coast, with her partner and two smart children, and she's also the co-founder of the Sunrise Mountain Retreat and Wellness Center. She's a best-selling author and wrote the memoir, The Quest. And we're going to dive into a lot from that beautiful book today and, and her life story. She has learned that by tapping into your creative self and turning resentment into compassion, a powerful transformation and sense of gratitude will fill your life. Emily is passionate about assisting women in finding their true passion and purpose in life. She does this by teaching women that they are deserving of giving themselves permission, two words that are going to come out in today's heartfelt conversation and to start over and truly become their divine selves. Oh, so without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Emily Perrault. Welcome, Emily. Uh, hi, Moira. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Oh, we are soulmates, and this is uh, so much fun. Thank you for sending your book. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, you spoke from the heart and really told your story. Um, and, and you from know, a, it took a lot of courage to publish that book. I, I think, you know, you know, when they say the truth would set you free, did you feel that you even went through deeper healing by writing this book and sharing your story? Oh my gosh. I have found writing to really be the master healer at our fingertips that is available to all of us. And the writing of that book was so cathartic. I mean, I had moments where I just like felt utter joy, other moments where I burned in shame, other moments where I sobbed uncontrollably. Mm -hmm. I mean, like this huge, hugely alchemical experience. Absolutely. Yes. And also your body releasing that, like, wow. Really? I know that with, um, here, well, just recently, the Queen, as you know, um, passed, and um, our family is British, but I always thought very highly of her and what in the family and what she's done in her life. And when I heard it uh, that she passed, I just sobbed. I sobbed for like any time I talked about it for three days that day and two days after, I just was crying, and I could feel it in my heart. And I said to my husband, 
you know, what is that? Because I'm, I'm pretty in touch with my feelings of that. And it was just something bigger than myself. I think it was more like on a national level as an empath that just that sadness, but also the next step in our history and our world. So yeah, you must've went through a lot. I want to start by just a little bit about your family, uh, your dad and mom. And when did this trying to be perfect all the time start for you? Because that's, that keeps you in like a stressful, anxious, very exhausting state, I would think. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Um, Moira, give me just one second because they just started making a lot of noise outside and I don't want that to affect <laughs> the recording. So I'm just going to close the door, okay? Yeah, for sure. And Emily is coming to us from her home, as we said in the beginning, and it's a beautiful home. We're going to talk about Emily's retreats and how you can be part of her writing retreats and her retreats in Costa Rica's Pacific Coast. Okay, hopefully okay. that will be better. Um, so, so it's about the, your family briefly, perfectionism, and how that would really take a lot out of a, a lot, a big toil on your body and your physical, mental, emotional states and spiritual. Yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting concept to really dive into and think about. And I thought about it many times. Like, where did this really begin? Did it begin with the women that have come before me mm. and that per- perfection programming was passed down through the lineage? Um, was it, was that the beginning? And then it was compounded by the media and the advertising and the way that, you know, in America, North America, um, especially that women are portrayed, you know, it's, um, there's not a lot of permission mm-hmm. Or for women, there's sort of this, this energy in the white space that we're supposed to show up and just get it right the first time that we're supposed to show up and slay. And if we're not going to do that, then maybe we shouldn't do it at all. Like maybe we, maybe we're not even allowed to do it. That was kind of how I felt. It was like, I think part of it too, is I was, I did get a lot of accolades as a young child for many things. And on some level, I could see how happy that made my family, how happy that made my parents. And it was so like, oh gosh, if I do something and it's not good, is that going to be super disappointing to them? Are they going to, is that going to change the image that they have of me in their minds? And I think what ended up happening was by the time I got to my late twenties, I had this life that looked really good from the outside and it didn't feel very good from the inside. And what I have come to see from being on this path for 15 years and working with many, many women is that's not an uncommon thing that women are very good at kind of getting all the externals of life and making things look really good, but they feel like something big is missing. And I felt like something big was missing too, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't really put my finger on exactly what it was or how to go about finding it. So thank goodness for spirit (laughs) as the, it speaks the language of soul and knows that like, in my small conditioned mind, the things that I thought I wanted were not actually the things that I wanted. Um, And so many of, you know, all of the externals were ripped away from me when I was in my late twenties, when I was in the Saturn returns, it was, um, you know, boyfriend cheated on me. I lost all my friends. I had to move out of my beautiful home. It was like life. The tectonic plates of my universe were really, moving to align me with what was true in my soul. And I think that that, you know, is really important that people understand if you're going through what I call a quote unquote, a spiritual death, um, where everything's sort of blowing up in your face and everything quote unquote, isn't working for you. It's actually 
just spirit coming in to realign you. And there's this beautiful portal that opens to what I call the quest. And the quest is this epic inner journey to find the jewel inside, which is the essential self, the spiritual self, the self that knows who you are, why you're here, and the exact steps to take to have the epic life that you came here to have. Well, you covered a lot there. <laughs> hmm. I love that. The question, the, the inward journey and the epic life, because we all are here to have that epic life and to add to all there is. How do you uh, help people truly find their authentic self and their passion, their purpose? You know, this is one of those things that we all come with passions. When we're born, there is passions in, woven in our spiritual DNA that want to be expressed this lifetime, that have come from other lifetimes. And, you know, we see this like, like Mozart, for example, right? Four years old, five years old, being able to play these incredible pieces on the piano. That came from another, like a, a recent lifetime right? Where he was already this incredibly accomplished pianist. And so we have passions. And so um, really it's, it's about getting out of the thinking mind mm-hmm. and into the body. So, so through embodiment activities, that's embodiment practices. That's how we can move from the small conditioned mind that tells us, oh, I need training to do that and moving into the intuitive place that lives in the body. And so I have found writing, I say it's the gateway drug to all creativity Mm -hmm. (laughs) because um, regardless if you're putting pen to paper or fingers to keyboard, you're a storyteller. You tell stories to your friends and family all the time. And so really just putting that onto paper does something so powerful. I mean, I you mentioned that I lead these writing retreats in Costa Rica. Writing, I say, is the soul of the retreat. We also do a bunch of other things. Um, it's sort of a mini quest unto itself. Um, but everything is set up as different embodiment practices and rituals to connect you with that inner knowing and those jewels that huge treasure chest of jewels that are inside of you. And the writing is very powerful because we bring you into the somatic body via meditation. Mm -hmm. And then there's a writing prompt. And in the prompt, what you can access in the somatic body is going to be different than if you're just like sitting in front of a blank page, like I should write something right now. And then we read out loud and in, and just from doing that, there's a huge detoxification of old pain. Of, of what we don't need any longer. And then when we read out loud, we only focus to what has power, strength, and energy in the pieces. And we're not doing this just to be nice people, even though it feels like this epic love shower for you and your creativity. We're doing it because in the brain, we have something called the reticular activating system. Mm-hmm. And the reticular activating system amplifies whatever gets attention. So like in traditional MFA writing programs, they do something similar, but they focus on what isn't working and what needs to be fixed. And what they found in the neuroscience studies is that when we focus to what needs to be fixed, we actually unconsciously do more of that. So by focusing to his power, strength, and energy, that becomes more present in the piece and takes center stage in the piece while what doesn't get acknowledged starts to fall away. And from a spiritual perspective, when we create that space in our heart and then what's reflected back to us is power, strength, and energy, what fills that place in the heart is empowerment. And you start to see that it gets easier to write each day and it starts to flow. 
And then it's like, okay, the floodgates are opening. And in my personal experience, you know, from the book, I started to, I didn't think I was a creative person. Okay. I really didn't think I had a creative bone in my body that really wasn't nurtured in me. That was something that was like my sister's thing in our family. And, um, so once the, once I started writing, it was like these, like the dam burst open and I started to play guitar and sing and write songs and paint paintings. I started later on doing improv and burlesque. And I just started to really see that, wow, the creative is so closely linked to the spiritual. I don't know why I thought that was a genetic thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) that, that some people were blessed with and other people weren't. But really creativity is like the lifeblood of the human experience. And I can say this very clearly now being on the other side of it. I was walking around like a part of me was inside was dead before I tapped into the creative. Because we're here to co-create with the universe. So so one thing you learn, and we're going to talk about James in a minute here. um, But as you were speaking, one of the things when I read your book that uh, Jamie taught you was the power of the beginner's mind. Yes. So was, tell us a bit about that exercise. I I know you, you talked here about the creative and the divine self and, you know, the questions, a few things you just said with writing in that, is there an exercise other than what you just said right now that people can start with this beginner's mind? Because my, my impression is that it opens you up to those possibilities and opportunities versus closing yourself down. But, but I love this power of the beginner's mind. Can you share a bit about that? Absolutely. Um, This concept of the beginner's mind, it's so simple and so revolutionary at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it really, I credit this understanding with all of the wonderful things that I have in my life right now. And so um, everything's energy, right? Everything has an energy vibration attached to it. And so that vibrational frequency of perfection, perfection is really judgment, right? Because perfection does not exist in the natural world. Like a tree isn't perfectly straight. A flower isn't perfectly symmetrical. It is so gorgeous in its imperfectness. And we are part of the natural world. So how or why would we be quote unquote perfect? We cannot be, but to constantly be referencing ourselves to something that does not exist means we're walking around in a constant state of judgment of ourselves. And that is a very dense energy frequency that pushes down on the light, free, fast frequency of creative passion. And so this wisdom bomb that my teacher at the time, James, passed to me was, you don't have to be perfect to participate. You just have to give yourself permission to be the beginner. The beginner isn't supposed to know anything anyways, so the beginner can never fail. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, ding, 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 all these lights <laughs> off the top of my head at once. And I was like, wait a minute. Like I leaned in real close. I was like, I can do that. I can just be the beginner. I really felt like I had to be the best or I wasn't allowed to like do things. I know that sounds crazy to me now, but um, I was sort of like, stay in your lane, girl. Do mm. what you know how to do. And so it actually took me from learning that um, that insight, that incredible spiritual insight. It, it wasn't instant for me. I wasn't like, oh, okay, cool, I'm gonna be the beginner. I um, it took me a couple years before I could really own that. And I also, before I went to bed, I don't know if you guys can hear the rain. There's a huge tropical storm that just blew in. No, <laughs> nice though. Okay. It's, it's coming down really strong. Um, so 
I started setting in, I started working with directives and intentions. Mm. So before I would go to bed, there's a lot that can happen on the astral plane when we're sleeping. And before I would go to bed, I decided that I was going to set. Actually, let me start. Let me, let me go back one second. Um, So as I mentioned, during my Saturn return, all these things were ripped away from me. And I found myself in a very dark, dark place. And that's when I walked through the portal of the quest and I met this teacher. And, you know, this is back in 2006. So it wasn't like social media the way that we know it now. And having a spiritual teacher was kind of like a weird thing. Not to you, Moira, but (laughs) uh, that was like, you're doing what? But I just knew I felt better in this man's presence that, and I would soon come to understand he had information that wasn't in books and hands that could heal your body. And so, you know, none of it really made any logical sense, but I just was like, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep implementing this wisdom that, that he's passing to me. And one of the key things that he passed to me was, you know, cause I thought all these bad things were happening to me. Right. And he's like, no, no, you are the creatrix of your own life mm-hmm. and you are working with the universe everything is being created for your benefit and evolution. And if you adopt that, you know, that everything is working for you, that you're going to not vibrate as a victim anymore. And you are going to carry an empowered vibration of gratitude, right? Because if everything, if there's a gift in every situation, we feel grateful. And so with that shift, my life started to change pretty quickly. And all these, all the, I got all these wonderful things starting to come into my life again. And I created a new beautiful man and a beautiful home and a beautiful dog. And I was finding myself waking up in the middle of the night, shaking with anxiety. And it was really confusing for me because it was like, wait a minute, I got all the things that I <clears throat> thought I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I was just like shaking. And finally I was like, what is this? What do you want? Like feeling, what is this? And I just heard this voice and it was like, when are you going to do something that really matters to you? And it was my core because I'd been doing so many things Mm -hmm. running around the planet, you know, you know, working at this fortune 100 company, rising to the top, you know, going to every party and every event and, you know, all the stuff I was doing and it wasn't enough. And really that's the tagline of the book, the quest from the Hollywood Hills to the Amazon jungle, one woman's search for enough. And so this question I'd been dodging for a long time because I knew, I knew I would have to do some things that really scared me and I didn't want to do those things. But at that point I was so uncomfortable that I was finally ready Mm -hmm. to set that intention. And my teacher at the time, you know, he's clairvoyant and he said, I see you're a writer. You need to write your story. Even if you never show it to anybody, it's going to heal your heart. And when he said that, I felt like someone was tap dancing on my heart. Like I felt like a tap for real. And I was like, I just blurted out. Okay. I think I am a writer. Now keep in mind, I'd written nothing. I mean, nothing in 11 years besides emails. And I don't know, maybe the occasional thank you letter, but something inside me, had been doing all of this spiritual work was starting to like open up to be able to, to listen to my soul's calling. 
And so I started to set intentions. And so if you're listening and you want to tap more into your creative, if you know there's some some door within the self that's closed and you want to open it, you can set intentions before you go to sleep. And so, and you can set directives. And so I decided to set a directive for 30 days. And that was, I am recovering my innate creative passion. Because as children, we are all creative. There's an organization, it's called creativeminds.org. And it's a, it reports that children of five operate with 80% of their creativity. And by the time we get to 12, it goes down to 2%. And so, and children, they're beginners in everything that they do, right? And life is full of wonder and curiosity. And I think that's why we're so enthralled with little children. Mm-hmm. And so I set that directive and finally, maybe it was a little bit more than 30 days. I, or a little less, I don't remember exactly, but I just said, today's the day. And I flipped open my shiny MacBook air and I set an intention. And I said, I give myself permission to be the beginner, start at the beginning, tell the truth and have fun. Mm-hmm. And I put my hands like an inch apart, right in front of my heart, like in prayer position, but fingers pointing outward. And I felt the frequency in my hands. And as I did that, I, I visualized a color in between my hands and the vibration shot up. Like it was really, I felt something there and I pulled it into my heart and I was amazed that by simply suspending judgment, the words flowed freely. First I had a sentence and then I had another sentence. And then I had a paragraph and then I had a page and then I had a freaking chapter. I'm like, I have a <laughs> chapter of a book. What's happening? And it just, it began the love affair that I have with the word. And I always loved reading and looking back, it's actually a part of myself that I loved writing as a little girl too, but I had kind of like put the noose on that girl, maybe somewhere, I think probably in junior high school where I started to try to kind of conform and fit in and you know, kind of put my focus on things that were very external that I would get external validation for. And I sort of lost that creative self, but my mom was moving a couple of years ago and she pulled out all these old boxes and there was all these papers that I'd written like in third grade that were, I mean, they had a plot, they had a arc of the story. I was like, okay, so this was in me. Well, that's quite lovely. I think we can all do anything that we have a desire to do. And that if we have a desire, it's put on our heart for a reason. It's now, are you going to take action? And I always talk about inspired action and spirit to, to follow through with that. And when you talked earlier about improv and different things, you know, I started doing improv, not on stage, just around the house and things. And, and, and because I'm older now, I, I was too scared to do that. Like in junior high school or that I thought, Oh, I wasn't in the in crowd. You know, I couldn't do that, but now there was this one about give permission. So let's dive into right there, by the way, because I want everybody to hear this, your mantra about I give myself permission to become a fearless, passionate creator. You use that permission uh, mantra many times, not for to become a passion creator. And where else do you do this? Do you do it every time in your life? I give myself permission to. You can use it for anything mm-hmm. that you're scared of. Yeah, I, I think... It's a biggie for people to give themselves permission because I think the biggest cricket for ourselves is sometimes us 
we get oh, ourselves 100%. in a way. Yes. And I remember when I first learned about this concept, my teacher was like, the permission levels have been really low this lifetime. And I was like, you know, what do you mean? I'm a 29 year old woman. I can do anything I want. And then he was like, well, so why aren't you? <laughs> and I was like, uh, what do you mean? He's like, well, make me a passions list. And I only had like, you know, I think I came up with like cooking and dancing at concerts were like my only passions and like skiing maybe. And, um, he was like, there's so much inside of you that wants to be expressed. And I think that's actually, I don't know if there's enough conversations about this kind of circulating is I think a huge pain level for so many of us is that we are not fully expressed. And there's something inside of us that wants to be expressed. And we're too afraid to express that, whether it's writing a poem or singing a song or, you know, dancing or whatever it is. And so I've really found when we are not connected to the intrinsic passion that is living within us, really, it's like permission leads to the passion and passion leads to the purpose. Mm -hmm. And when we are living a life full of passion and on purpose, what it does is it creates a little something called sovereignty. And sovereignty means I really like myself. I enjoy my own company. And what that allows us to do is it allows us to not overconsume in all of the ways, whether it's alcohol, drugs, food, shopping, internet. And it allows us to really carry a certain magnetic frequency that attracts so many things to us because a vibration of neediness and lack is the opposite of sovereignty. And if we're vibrating from neediness and lack, that's not going to magnetize abundance to us. So it's really interesting how people can be struggling or sick in many ways. And really the, the antidote, the remedy is passion and purpose. And it all starts with that permission, permission to be the beginner. Mm -hmm. Share with us um, how anger is a big part of healing. And also, how do we forgive and release resentment, which has a very low frequency? You have this exercise called the swish exercise. Can you share that with us today? Yes, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, that's, that's another thing um, with anger with women is we, it's like, we don't want to admit that we're angry, you know, because there's like that image, the caricature of the angry woman and nobody wants to be that. Right. So it's like, I remember the first time that I was called out on like, a, you know, that I need to express my anger. And I was like, oh, I'm angry. I'm good. And so many women I work with too, they feel the same way. They say the same thing, but it's really just been so suppressed within us. And that anger can end up being really toxic, but we can release the anger. We can release it in sacred rage ceremonies. You know, the one that I talk about in my book, I'm banging the, the pillows on my bed with, with a tennis racket and just feeling the power that comes with owning that. And it, if, if you haven't yet, like allowed yourself to let that rage run through you and just own it, there's an opportunity there. Cause really when we let it flow through us, it's like, it's like liquid Drano through the body, like removing so many blocks and things that have gotten stuck and allow yourself to scream and beat the pillows. You can scream in your car. If you, you know, don't 
if you live in close proximity to other people and you don't feel like you can do that and feel comfortable doing it. But um, everything's energy, right? So we want it to flow. Being on the quest is a fluid, it's a fluid experience. And so we always want as much of the energy to flow as possible. And of course, there's going to be things that make us angry. It doesn't matter how long you've been on the path. It doesn't matter if you're the Dalai Lama. Like anger is part of the human experience. And if we weren't meant to feel it, it wouldn't be there. Right. Mm -hmm. So allowing yourself again, I give myself permission to feel my anger, Mm -hmm. right? Permission is available to us all the time. Um, And after you do that, oftentimes you get to a place and, and I found too, you know, forgiveness, there's a time and a place for forgiveness. You need to be ready for it. And I have found that we become ready to forgive when we feel really good about the present moment in our lives. And what the creative does is it brings us into the present moment. In moments of inspiration, we feel connected to who we are and why we're here. And in those moments, lack falls away. Resentment alchemizes to gratitude because we realize, oh my gosh, I had to take all of these steps, all of those really painful steps to get to this moment where there's no place I'd rather be. And usually then is when you're really ready to forgive because you start to see, oh gosh, I've been holding on to stuff that's just like a rusty anchor on me that I don't need to hold on to anymore. So when I experienced that and I got ready for that, I there's a scene in the book where I'm in the bathtub and I start to go through sort of like the movie screen of my life of all of the people that I've been you know, that there's still some energy there, like that's, that's slightly resentful or that's, it's just sort of energized. Maybe the resentments have sort of started to fade away, but there's just, there's still some energy there that needs to be released. And so I just did this mantra that you can do too. And it's just, you could, you could right now, you can do it right now. You can think of somebody that you're ready to let go of, that you're ready to, you know, neutralize that energy. And you can say, I forgive myself. I forgive X. X forgives me. I forgive myself. I forgive X. X forgives me. And you can also say you can take personal responsibility if there's any part of that interaction that you want to own up to. Because anytime we take personal responsibility and own up to somebody, something, that is a very, very powerful healing frequency and, and vibrational frequency that really allows us to take quantum loops in our life. And then I would just go swish because I like visualized that energy just swishing down the drain. And so I think I did that for, I don't know, maybe at least 10 or 15 people. And I continue to do that when I want to neutralize the energy. And it really, you have more power than you know to shift and neutralize energy between you and another person. Mm -hmm. You talk about the entourage of people. Would that be the people that you were, well, maybe define that for our listeners. And those would be some of the people that you either took responsibility or did the forgiveness swish exercise with. And that we all have an entourage. Yes. Well, my teacher, James at the time, this is, you know, we worked together for 11 years and then it was time for me to spread my wings and fly my own way. Um, but he, you know, is a clairvoyant and he would speak to speak to the understanding a lot that 
the human experience is a very transdimensional experience and that spirit spirits are all around us and the energy of people that we have agreements in our life um, come around us. They come around us and that energy can influence the way we think and feel and act. And it can even be energy that's coming from a spirit that doesn't have a body and that can impact the way we think and feel and act. And so to, to really tune into our truth and to have clarity, it's helpful to clear that entourage, right? And so you can do that through transmuting. And so what you can do is you can pop balloons. You can see like balloons around your, your crown, around your head, and you can just see energy from like, let's say, let's say you've just been kind of obsessing. Let's say there's somebody in your life that you've been obsessing about. It could be like a lover or maybe like a business partner that, you know, screwed you over or something like that. You're just obsessing and you want to release that energy. You can just see all of the energy going into the balloon. So it's filling up bigger, 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 and then you can just pop it or you can send it out to the middle of the universe and pop it. Or if it's easier for you, you can see all that energy going onto a glass window and slam the window with a hammer and see <laughs> all of the shards go onto the ground and, and um, suck up, sucked up by the earth and alchemized and send that energy back to the individual. And after you've cleared yourself from the energy, oh, one other way to do it too is to visualize a grounding cord from your first energy center spiraling down through the crust of the earth and diving down through the many layers of soil into, into the center of the planet and just visualize a color. So maybe there's an individual in your life and you just, a color pops into your mind for this person. And just like there's a hole in the bottom of a glass, you just see that color draining completely out of you down your grounding cord and back into the center of the planet where it can be returned to that individual. And then afterwards you fill your, and you fill your body up with a bright color. So those are definitely three ways that you can clear the energy of others that get in your space. It's hmm, wonderful. Now, do you, do you feel like when you teach this, that you teach the colors um, in alignment with our chakras or you just ask people to choose a color that comes to them intuitively? Um, for chakra meditations, I do colors for the chakras, but when people are just, if they're doing it by themselves and they just have a color that they really feel the best and like in their high vibe, I just say, pick the color that like would describe you mm -hmm. when you are vibrating in your highest place. Wonderful. Let's talk about the uh, patriarch programming and literally the feminine doesn't agree to the patriarch programming. Um, she, she retains the essence of her spiritual nature. Today, how can a woman be divinely feminine within a patriarch, patriarch culture and the programming? Mm, such an important question for our times. Mm -hmm. um, in my experience, in my perspective, really every single woman on this planet is inherently divinely feminine. But most of us feel disconnected from this because we've been raised by an overarching culture, the patriarchy, that has told us in overt and subliminal ways that we need to alter ourselves, to fit into boxes, to receive approval and acceptance. So what we really need to do to embody this power and beauty that is inherently us is to remove the obstruction which is really the false beliefs that have been passed down to us. 
mm-hmm. that is preventing us from embodying this fully. So this is really the heart of the work that I do with women. And when they do this, they just, oh my gosh, it is so incredible to watch women just find the light of liberation and personal power on the other side. It is just, it's, it's stunning. But yes, this, this is the work. It's, it's the women that come to me, you know, it always makes me a little bit sad when I see sort of like coaches and people out there talking about like, you know, there's sort of this concept that you need to fix yourself. Okay. No, you don't need to fix yourself. We need to remove the obstruction and allow your magic to shine forth because it's already there. Mm -hmm. I was sure like yourself, Emily, that, you know, we're not broken. We, We are whole and we're beautiful, you know, spiritual beings living a physical life. Um, and to realize instead of judgment on ourselves that we're broken or we need, we're not enough or we need to be fixed, like you said, remove what that is. Let it be a belief system or something generational you oh, know, absolutely. through, through and lifetimes. I, absolutely. And I, and I really have found that the natural world, and especially being here in Costa Rica, and probably you feel this way too in Nova Scotia, it's just <laughs> the natural world is always the greatest teacher and helping us better understand who we are. You know, Mother Ocean, for example, right? she's the bringer of all life on the planet. She's nutritive, life-affirming. And some days she's calm and peaceful and other days she's wild and messy and stormy and angry, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's quite literally the softest and the strongest element of anything we know. And most of all, she's wholeness. And so just what you said, like, the divine feminine, what, what's happened to us is we've had to cut off parts of ourselves to survive in this patriarchal culture. And the real power of being divinely feminine is coming back into that wholeness of women coming into the truth of who they are, whatever that means to you. You know, it can mean someone sitting pretty in a rose garden or a woman in combat boots, right? But when we tune into the truth of who we are, that's when we are divine. Mm-hmm. And that would be also moving into living in the heart so we can totally find, you know, joy and passion and purpose. Absolutely. We are meant to know what lights us up inside. That's part of the human experience. And, and I find that in my own personal experience from the beginning of the book, I'm like a wild and crazy party girl looking for, looking for meaning in all the wrong places. When, when finding passion and purpose, it was just like the desire to like consume things that weren't good for me just naturally fell away. It was like effortless. Right. Which because blew my mind. <laughs> I'm sure it did because you were aligning, you did the work for one thing, you, you know, you did the sacred inward journey to do your healing. Do, do you continue to do a lot of these rituals when you have challenges and obstacles and things that maybe get you angry or anxious to do all this work daily or weekly or when things come up? Yeah. I mean, so this December will be 15 years on my quest. And so um, things, things have definitely gotten easier than they were in the beginning where I had to like say everything is right right now, a hundred times a day because I have so much anxiety and was in, you know, such a shaky place. Um, But I think things call to you at different times on your path. Mm-hmm. And so um, I've been working for the past eight years now with a new teacher um, who actually channeled the methodology of gateless writing that I teach on my retreats. And 
I am finding my soul being called to women teachers at this time. And, and yeah, and nature, I'm finding nature to be one of my biggest teachers at this time. So really grounding in nature, doing ceremonial type rituals in nature, walking barefoot through the jungle Mm. at dawn, um, you know, connecting in the ocean, like putting down grounding cords when I'm surfing and yeah, I'm finding the, I'm finding that nature at the moment is, is really taken center stage as, as one of my main teachers. And I always am giving myself permission. I'm always taking personal responsibility. Um, I do sacred rage rituals and I find that the creative is just the gift that keeps on giving. If there, if I feel disconnected, whatever it is for you, find that thing, right? It could be dance. It could be writing. For me, my big ones are dance, writing, surfing, and being in nature. Those things just connect me to the great mystery so quickly. And I mm-hmm. think that if we can connect with that great mystery, we are reminded that we are that, that that is expressing itself through us. And it's like the the not enoughness that wants to creep in, you know, from society, it kind of pushes it back out. And it's, it's not something, it's not one and done, you know, it's a practice. We have to continue to do these things. Mm -hmm. And the more you do them, the better you feel. Yes. I know that as you were saying, we're as of, I think it was, Yesterday, we were a year that we moved into our home in Nova Scotia, and and we were in Ontario before. And I also knew as a young girl when we I was brought up in Toronto that when my parents bought a hundred acres of farm, that's where my joy was. And as a twelve year old walking along the land and the streams and the cows and just you, the freedom of being out with nature. And yeah, nature is also very huge to me and such gifts that we can have because we are at one with nature. As we, as we say that at one with nature, you know, closer to the end of the book, you had a question asked to you from James uh, regarding consciousness and the decision that you made. Are you willing to lose everything to get consciousness? Well, how did that come up for you? Like, how did that unfold for you at that time? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I had, you know, it was like I'd been through the ring of fire I did all of this spiritual work. I had like this happy life. You know, I had this beautiful home and this loving husband and this beautiful dog. And I was at an art studio and I was, you know, just finishing my book and going to get it published and starting to work with women. And all of these things were like on track. And I started to feel the very unnerving feeling of apathy start to creep back into my life, which I felt very apathetic before I discovered the creative. Like I just was like, eh, you know, yeah, I could do that, but maybe, maybe tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I didn't understand that apathy is a direct descendant of fear of failure and perfectionism. And so I was feeling that start to creep back in. And that's when my teacher was like, um, you know, you need to unfreeze your heart. And I was like, what are you talking about? I've been on this path for six years. And, you know, every single day I've done, you know, probably 200 body healings. I've, you know, I've written a book. I've opened up my creativity. I've forgiven, I've, you know, all of these things. What do you mean? I haven't, I haven't unfrozen my heart. And he was like, made this a symbol of like a quarter with this 
fingers. And he was like, you've unfrozen 25%. And I was like, my gosh, (laughs) how how the heck do I unfreeze the rest? (laughs) He was like, just real blase, shrugged his shoulders. He's like, consciousness. I'm like, oh, consciousness. Okay, no big deal. I was like, well, I want consciousness. Mm -hmm. And he kind of like backed away into the kitchen. I remember his nose, his uh, glasses slid down his nose. He looked at me eye to eye and said, are you willing to lose everything to get it? And I don't know what was swirling inside of me that day, but I remember like putting my little fist in my other hand kind of in defiance. And I was like, I want consciousness. And he was like, buckle up, sweet pea. Things are about to get really interesting around here. And I remember lying in bed that night, like biting a nail that I don't bite my nails and being like scared. I could feel something had shifted. I had done something real. And I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to be like on a park bench? Like Eckhart Tolle? Like, mm-hmm. like what's going to happen to me? Well, um, exactly three months later, my seemingly perfect marriage, my husband sat me down. He said, I'm depressed. I'm suicidal. I'm moving out. And that just started a spiral of all sorts of things happening. I ended up freezing my eggs, getting extraordinarily sick, like incredible chronic illness that lasted years and years and years that had me spending all of my savings trying to regain my health. Like all of these, everything started getting ripped away from me to get me consciousness. And what I've learned about the quest, if you, if you say a resounding yes to this path, you are going to experience a series of spiritual deaths and rebirths because that's how spirit delivers what you're wanting. And so now I'm actually this whole year, I feel like I've been in spiritual death number four and it gets easier because you know what it is and you welcome it. And at the same time, there can be a lot of tears and a lot of feeling like you're losing a limb as you are letting go of another false belief that had carried you for some time. But you also have past evidence to show every time that you've been through one of those deaths, then in that void, a beautiful rebirth happens. And that's really what it's all about. It's a series of deaths and rebirths along the spiritual path and you get more skilled and become more fluid at letting it just happen and surrendering to it. I think that would be a a beautiful Nick's book for you to write, Emily. I think a lot of people. (laughs) That's that's the the sequel. uh, (laughs) I I think it is a sequel. And, um, and I would think that just you talking about it, you've done all that healing work and then what happened you know, um, and then when you said yes, and three months later, you know, your partner and that, that a lot of people who are going through that spiritual death and think they're losing things in their life or changing, they probably don't even know what that is. That, like you said earlier, which I believe that everything is happening for our, our highest and our best, even if we can't see it. <laughs> um, Very true. And it's so important if you're in that right now to just treat yourself with some, so much compassion because there's mm-hmm. so much noise on the internet right now that like, if you're not making a million dollars a month and don't have this life and whatever that your vibe is off. And that 
is not true. Like there are times it's just like a slingshot. Sometimes we need to go back to be shot way forward. So if you are in that period, just surrender to it, ask for the gifts. And so much is so much blooms in the palace of humility, truly like that palace of humility that I was crawling around in for a few years, um, you know, right as 20 straddled 30, gave me so much compassion for other people and myself that I really didn't have before. So much perspective and so much gratitude, things, things that are very important elements to a life well lived. And so know that there are gifts in this time and that the seeds are planted in the dark soil. I love that also in your book, when James shared with you, just looking at a, a flower or look, I, I don't know if it was James or your other teacher, uh, Jody. Um, yeah, that if we just looked at just, you know, shut down the, the chatter and the noise and just be at one with whatever's in front of you, you know, we if you start to create that way of being, like you said, it's it's all these gifts can show up for us in our life. It's just being be more conscious. <laughs> yeah, and it's really back to like neuroscience affirms this because the reticular activating system in the brain is going to amplify whatever gets attention. So what we focus to does grow. So just remembering, you know, this is actually a practice. I forgot to mention. This is something I do. <coughs> as much as I possibly can. I used to do it religiously every single day, but since having two children, I don't always get to it, but um, writing down 10 things you have gratitude for and why. The why is so important. Mm-hmm. It really shifts your energetic frequency by, by around like item six or seven. You're like, I have an amazing life. Mm-hmm. And if you do this consistently, I've had periods where I've done it for like 30 or 60 days in a row. You start to really be aware of, like electricity, a hot shower, your blender. You know what I mean? Just like things that we really take for granted. You start to be like, wow, like I'm really grateful for that. And that vibrational frequency of gratitude, that's the foundational building block of all abundance. Like if you're in a place where you're feeling scarcity, where you're feeling like life's life's rewards are, you know, taking the slow lane to get to you, the fastest way to, to switch things up is to start practicing daily gratitude. Definitely. I was well, I used to do the attitude of gratitude dance when I at workshops and when my husband and I we spoke on cruise lines for uh, many years and people love that dance. You know, attitude of gratitude, attitude of gratitude, and I would just raise their, you know, raise it higher and higher and get them moving faster, and they just were laughing and <laughs> it just shifted their vibration. <laughs> It's so, it's so simple. Well, all of this wisdom, right? It's so simple in theory, right? It's just, we just have to do it. So it's just that consistency. And the more you do it, the more natural it becomes. And when you find yourself in a hard situation, ask yourself, what is the gift here? I know this is for me. I know this is happening for me. So what is the gift? And the gifts will start to appear. And sometimes the gift is realizing the role that you may be showing up continuously in your life. And you're like, Hmm, maybe that's not serving me. Thank you for illuminating this gift. It's one of the bigger, biggest questions through coaching that my clients really love. What is the gift in this to the point that I purchased the URL. It's one of my books <laughs> in those series that I'm doing. And uh, because they, they, they really said they, they taught their children it. So it would just change their, you know, that reframe a situation, how you look at something. 
You know, again, James shared in your book with you that our planet is traveling through an expanding universe, which is very challenging for people, but also an opportunity to wake up. I totally believe this. I would love to hear your thoughts on people waking up and becoming more conscious and to really start to embrace who they truly are. Yes. Well, I mean, it's been going on for, you know, some time, but I think with the past few years with COVID, it's been a massive awakening for Mm -hmm. so many people. I mean, there's just a little microcosm in the town that I live in. I live in a small, a once small little fishing village, surf village is now like kind of a, you know, booming place because so many people left their countries and moved here. And they said, I don't want to live life the way that I've been living it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, as, as is with everything, you know, of course there's, there's hardship and devastation with COVID, but at the same time, there's been tremendous gifts of people being able to slow down and pause and really reevaluate. Okay. How am I living my life? Is this actually what I want to be doing? And so, um, as more and more people wake up, it shifts the energetic frequency for there to be permission for more people to, we're like, we're like rocks in the pond, right. And like creating this ripple effect where mm-hmm. the ripples are going out and out and out to, to, to our family, to our friends, to people in our communities and the conversations, um, about energy and frequency, I think are a lot more common now. And of course, the internet too, exploding the way that it has in the past 12 years, the spread of information um, is obviously helping too. It's getting information to the far corners of the globe that would not have had access to it. Mm-hmm. And exactly what you said, I, I call it the snow, the snowball effect. Not that there's snow here right now, but the snowball effect, how, you know, as we do our own healing and generational healing and as we're speaking our truth how other to give other people the permission to speak their truth and my whole thing is creating the life you love on your terms that's been a tag that i've had a long time with creating your life emily can you share a brief excerpt from your book i love the my authors reading because they get to hear your voice and to leave our listeners with inspiration and empowerment i would be honored Okay. So this is from a chapter when I went down to the Amazon jungle, 18 hours by boat and did an ayahuasca ceremony with the Matses tribe. (laughs) So curled up on a hammock, immersed in the intricate web overflowing with more plant and animal species than anywhere else on the planet, confirmed that the natural world thrives in its unhampered state. If we're part of the natural world too, why aren't humans thriving? I wondered, could it be that all of these fragmented ills of society from racism, rape, war, poverty, dolphin massacres, child trafficking, GMOs, drugs, climate change, poverty, the banking crisis, even unfaithfulness are really just branches of the same tree called not enough? Suddenly, it is startlingly obvious that the same patriarchal machine that oppresses, annihilates, destroys, and exhausts resources, all in the name of acquiring money and power, is the same machine perpetuating the war on women. With clarity I've never experienced before, I see that for the planet to evolve into wholeness and harmony, the feminine spirit needs to rise. But first, we need to find wholeness and harmony within ourselves. Mm. 
beautiful. I know we didn't get into that part of your journey, but that's beautiful. Thank you so much. Emily, we're at the part now that if you could share the gift that you'd like to give to our listeners today, the links will be below um, in the show notes for the gift. And I know you're going to have some surprise gifts there. Um, And how you can connect up with Emily, find out more about her wellness center and her Sunrise Mountain Retreat and her writing um, clinics and time with Emily and her skills. So that's going to be below. But if you could share the gift or gifts, Emily, that would be wonderful. Yes. Well, first of all, since we've been chatting so much about the quest, I would love to offer you the first three chapters for free. Um, So the link will be there to read the first three chapters. And I... I alluded to the retreat that I host here in Costa Rica at the retreat center that I built. It's called the mermaid sisterhood. And like I said, it's really this mini quest that you go on to find the jewel inside. And we do that through a series of carefully curated embodiment practices. Writing workshops is one of them, but there's also yoga and beginning surf lessons, sweat lodge, breath work, sound healing, dance, bonfires, nature spa day, and many more amazing things. And so if that calls to you, if you feel a spark in your heart hearing about that, I am offering um, 10% off if you're listening today. And this will be up for many years. So you might hear somebody in a few years from now go, I want to go do that with Emily. (laughs) That's okay. I'm down to keep honoring that. Thank you, Emily. Thank you for sharing, for sharing from your heart and your soul, your wisdom on tapping into your creative and divine self. Namaste. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Heart Soul Wisdom Podcast with Moira Sutton. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please join our community at moirasutton.com and continue the discussion on our Facebook page, Create the Life You Love. You will be part of a global movement connecting with other heart-centered people who are consciously creating the life they love on their own terms. Together, we can raise our consciousness for the greater good of humanity and for our planet.